Welcome to the second episode of the Solent LEP podcast. I'm Kate Cloud, Local Growth Programme Manager at Solent Local Enterprise Partnership. And along with my colleague, James Ford, in this series, we're taking a look at some of the big issues affecting businesses across the Solent region. In this episode, I'm going to be focusing on international trade post-Brexit. And joining me to talk about some of the major changes businesses are having to deal with is Francis Fawcett, a specialist from International Trade Matters, a team of independent advisors working with businesses of all sizes. Thank you for joining us, Francis. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Kate. Your company works closely with small and medium-sized enterprises, helping them with different areas of international trade. What would you say have been the biggest changes over the past year? There have been probably the most significant changes that businesses have seen in in the last few decades because of the departure of the UK from the EU. Businesses have faced new processes that have naturally come about because of that change. And of course, with processes come costs. So there are definitely new costs to international trade. And the other challenge is that although things are settling down, there are new uh, programmes and schemes still coming out now. So businesses are not through all of those changes. There are ongoing things that they are needing to understand and, and work out its impact on the business. And, and of course, it's not just traders here within the UK that are facing these changes, but our suppliers, our customers in the EU are, are also on the other end of this. And so there's confusion with them as well at times. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite difficult for some people departing from the EU and all the changes that has. It's obviously been a huge from an international trading perspective. Can you give us some examples of how it's affected local businesses? Yeah, we we see all sorts of different impacts to different businesses. So um, an example is that a company I work with at the end of uh, 2020 did a lot of work to prepare ahead of the end of the transition period, um, put lots of processes in place, did lots of cost analysis. But then when reality hit us all in January, their transporters uh, within a week or two changed all of their pricing structures because of course they too were unclear about what the real impact would be. So unfortunately for that business, although they'd done all the preparation they could, understood the cost implications, they kind of had to tear up that analysis and start again because of the cost of transporters uh, changing so much. Um, Businesses are also seeing sometimes quite random reactions. So at the beginning of the year, customs in certain countries were holding up any orders that had been shipped into them without a URI number, a registration number. Uh, And of course, individuals, private individuals don't have those registration numbers. So that was a completely random act outside of the control of the business. uh, But that was hitting them in, in January or February. Um, And they're seeing difficulties uh, when they look at selling to different markets. So each country within the EU may function differently. Uh, So those those are just a few examples, but there are many, um, much of which is outside of the control of the exporter. Clearly, the challenges in the transport sector have been widely talked about. And I think that's a brilliant example you just gave. But how are businesses looking to address those challenges? The truthful answer is it is exceptionally hard for businesses to mitigate some of the things that have changed. 
Um, and remember, this is in a global context. So, uh, yes, of course, there have been issues with changes of processes between the UK and the EU. But the world is looking at very different transportation issues. Um, the pandemic has had an impact and that has led to significant increases in costs, sometimes four or five times the, the cost that would have been expected in previous times and uh, increased time for shipping goods, particularly from the Far East. And so it is it is very, very difficult for businesses to tackle this. The kind of things I'm seeing is uh, definitely increased stock holding. So you just can't rely on getting stock within two to three months. You've got to allow a little longer. Um, but also I've seen a business that used to review their prices with their customers once a year. Uh, they initially moved to quarterly price reviews. They've now moved to monthly price reviews because, of course, the transportation of goods is such a significant part of the cost. The only reassurance I can possibly give is that everyone is facing that same issue. So when transportation is an issue, you are facing it, but so are your competitors. And so it is about holding your nerve, being very on top of what is happening, making changes if you need to. But it is incredibly challenging to manage. And it sounds like those transport costs are really quite volatile at the moment and difficult to predict. Oh, that's very true. Um, we are probably all holding out whether we are consultants in the trade or whether we're importers and exporters to look at when that will start to settle down. Um, it, it really depends on who you ask. Um, I do occasionally see something that makes me think things are settling down, but then I can talk to somebody else who is hearing reports from their transporters that it's not. So it is, uh, it's almost about businesses kind of holding their nerve. It will settle down. I have no doubt in that the world functions because of international trade and we in the UK have been trading overseas literally for centuries. So it will settle down, but they are at the mercy of trading environmental changes such as Brexit, but global issues such as the pandemic. So it's not going to be an easy ride, but we will get there because trade uh, is so critical to everyone in the world. Indeed it is. Thank you. We hear a lot about free trade agreements being struck post-Brexit. How do businesses continue to trade internationally during these times, Francis? Um, I think free trade is actually a myth. So definitely the country can strike trade agreements that remove some of the costs and the trade and cooperation agreement with the EU is a fantastic example. There are no duties on the goods that we produce when we sell them to our customers in the EU and vice versa. Um, but duties are only one element of the cost. There are still costs associated with trade, whether it's taxes or, or costs just for the processes. So um, I, I think I'd first of all say to businesses, you know, forget this concept of free trade. But if you have the right types of products, you can demonstrate appropriate um, country of origin, you can very definitely make savings on duties. And of course, that does reduce your overall costs. But you've got to be aware of all of the others because free, I think, is a little bit of a myth. 
that's interesting to hear. Um, are you able to sort of sum up those uh, key topics that small businesses in particular need to consider when they're trading internationally? What do they need to really be aware of? The world of international trade um, has a number of different elements to it. And of course, what each business needs may vary because each business is different. But they've got to be very clear that they're classifying their products correctly. Uh, they do have to understand country of origin because that may enable them to trade more cost effectively. Um, but I think on a day to day basis, the first piece of advice I'd give to a business is understand the costs. And there are different elements. Duties is one type of cost that they will need to be aware of. But they'll also have to understand their tax and VAT obligations and the costs that are associated with that. And then there's this third bucket of everything else. Um, so by that, I mean the costs that a transporter may apply for carrying out the processes that are needed. Or perhaps they have goods that need some type of certification, whether that's a health certificate or a security certificate or inspections. And so it's a case of breaking down all of those different elements and then understanding where the costs are. And, and of course, looking for cost savings, which definitely can be made once you understand all of the costs and making sure that they really understand the goods that they are transporting and then where they're transporting them to and what will be associated with that. So it's all entirely possible, but it is about breaking it down and understanding the products and the associated processes and costs that go with those. So what are the key practicalities that businesses have to face if they're looking to, for example, export some goods across to the EU? So they're going to need to understand the processes so they can take their products, they can understand exactly what the products are. And, and by that, I mean, look at product classification and look at the sort of technicalities of that, such as commodity codes. Once they have identified commodity codes um, for their products, then that enables them to see exactly what the costs will be uh, for their their customers in the overseas location. And there are ways to look that up very, very simply once you know how. So those are the costs directly associated to that export. Um, then they've got to have a look at who's going to pay those costs. So is it going to be them or is it going to be their customers? And that might be a conversation or it might be about understanding what their customer's expectation is in their particular market. Um, there are processes that need to be followed, import export declarations. Somebody's got to pay for those. They'll be carried out for the business by an independent customs agent or perhaps by the transporter. So they'll want to know what the costs are of those. And then a piece of work we always do with businesses is really understand the impact of those costs on profitability because it may be that you've got a product that is fantastically profitable when you sell it within the United Kingdom, but because there are increased costs with overseas distribution, is that going to impact your profitability? And once you understand the costs, then there are lots of ways around it. Perhaps you have different pricing, perhaps you negotiate with your customers so that they bear some of those costs. But the important thing is that a business understands those costs to make sure that their overseas expansion 
remains profitable because obviously we want that to be a positive impact on the business. And all those costs that you've just mentioned, Francis, are they all predictable costs? Can we work out in advance what they're likely to be? So yes and no is the, is the answer to that. So the predictable elements are duties and VAT. So the amount of duty that is going to be applied to goods that are shipped overseas is completely predictable, published on the internet, no secret to anybody. Similarly, um, VAT applies on goods that are imported. So um, exporters listening to this will know that they don't charge VAT on an export. But when those goods arrive in their destination country, they attract import VAT. But again, completely predictable. You can go and find out the rate of tax in any country in the world very easily. So those two are completely predictable. The bit that is not predictable um, is everything else. So what I mean by that is what is a transporter or a customs agent going to charge you for import export declarations? Well, you'll have to ask them because, of course, each transporter, each customs agent will have their own pricing structure. Um, are your goods going to be subject to any inspections? Well, you'll be able to find out that when you look at your products and the uh, implications of importing them to particular markets, and then you can find out what the costs will be. So by drilling into this, you can predict almost everything. But of course, if I think back to my you know, fabulous customer that had done all the preparation they could have done at the end of last year, you are, of course, at the mercy of any individual price changes that may take place. Um, so that bit's not so predictable. Duties and VAT, yes, definitely. Gosh, there's a lot to think about, isn't there? Um, do you think there are likely to be any more changes to come, Francis? Yes, I, I have to say I do. I mean, what I would say, and as I say to many of my clients, um, you know, I had this job in international trade before we arrived in a post-Brexit world. And the reason I had that ongoing activity with clients is because things are changing all the time in the world of international trade. We are signing new trade agreements. Um, individual countries we may trade with may change their standards, their requirements. What Brexit has done is it has created a, a real focus of change. So more changes than we have seen in a very condensed period of time. And in the context of Brexit, we're not done yet. So uh, as an example, I'm now training companies on a scheme that has come in into the EU and it only went live on the 1st of July. Well, that was six months after the end of the transition period. So there will be more that come through. Things are settling down a little, but the world of international trade is always changing. We've just had a great deal more to deal with in 2021 than we perhaps have had previously. OK, so we won't worry too much yet. There's lots of change to come, but we can deal with it. I think that's what we need from you now. We're all a bit probably daunted by the rules, regulations and all that extra paperwork, what seems like extra paperwork to deal with. What advice would you give people really looking to trade internationally now? Well, I would agree. Don't be daunted. Um, in very simplistic terms, the EU is now just like the rest of the world. 
So we were sort of lulled into a bit of a false sense of security that when we were a member of the European Union, when we were in the transition period, uh, it was all very straightforward and there was no paperwork that was needed. But if you talk to any business that was exporting outside of the EU, then they will tell you that um, there, there's been processes and paperwork needed everywhere else um, and always has been. So what I would say is the EU is now like the rest of the world. The United Kingdom has been trading with the rest of the world for centuries. So all of this is surmountable. And the UK is a tiny percentage of the world market. And so there is huge growth potential. So if you have a product that is appealing to customers overseas, then you have a significant opportunity to grow your business. So don't be daunted by the processes. Those can be overcome. Yes, there will be processes to follow um, and trade with the EU um, has experienced some very significant hiccups because of the new post-Brexit world. But as we move out of that and things settle down, then trading with the rest of the world is going to be just fine and offers such huge potential that it is almost too tempting not to go and overcome those barriers and grow businesses. Francis, you've mentioned country of origin a couple of times. How do we find out more about that? Yeah, good question. And it's one of those aspects of international trade that is um, it is quite a detailed topic in its own right. So let me try and summarise. Um, basically, the gist of it is this. Trade agreements are there to create a better trading environment between two different countries or areas. So in signing the trade and cooperation agreement with the EU, the EU and the UK are saying, you know, we're good friends, we want to foster trade between us and we want that to be done in a, in a way that's better. In other words, we don't pay any duties on our goods. But the challenge is that we're not intending to do that so that it is a backdoor to imports coming perhaps from the Far East. So in order to get that benefit of zero duty, well, that only applies to the goods we produce. So if we are exporting goods from the UK and they're of UK origin, then they don't attract any duties when they're going into the EU. That's the benefit. It wouldn't be appropriate for us to import goods in from the Far East and then sell those into the EU at these preferential rates because that's not the intent of the agreement. The intent of the agreement is to favour our own products. And so what that leads businesses to need to do is to be able to demonstrate that their goods are of a preferential origin. In, in that example, they would need to show that their goods are of UK origin in order to obtain this benefit of zero duties. So that's um, a really sort of short summary. Uh, it's fair to say there are lots of rules around origin. Um, there are global rules, but there are also rules particularly attached to the trade and cooperation agreement with the EU. So I would definitely encourage businesses to find out more about it to make sure that they comply with the rules because there are benefits to doing so. In other words, no duties. They can get that kind of information from uh, from their chambers of commerce, uh, from training programs. And that's the sort of thing we help businesses with all the time. So really important businesses understand the origin of their goods and can declare it correctly 
because there are benefits to doing so. Thanks, Francis. It's clearly quite a complex area um, and we've talked a bit about some businesses who have struggled with those challenges, but I'm sure there are some really good examples of businesses who have risen to those challenges. Uh, yes, that, that's a lovely question because it, it's not all doom and gloom. There are very definitely challenges and there are new processes for businesses to overcome. But once they do that, they can trade globally and that, of course, offers great opportunity. So a couple of examples that immediately come to mind is uh, I talked to a, a lovely local business who was actually importing um, very interesting products from the EU. Uh, but when they were sending them to their consumer customers, if they were in the EU, they were faced with difficulties around VAT and duties on the import, so the receipt of the goods by the customer. And of course, there were paperwork processes that went with this. But the business told me that they'd had quite a lot of interest from the United States. Now, consumer customers in the United States are quite accustomed to paying additional costs uh, as they buy products because anyone who's um, been on holiday in the US knows that sales tax is added when you get to the checkout. And so the lady realised that, of course, in putting in place all of the processes that were needed for shipping to the EU, without realising it, she'd also put in place all of the processes needed for shipping to the US. The US is a bigger market, culturally quite similar to the UK. They speak English. And so she changed her sales strategy, targeted it more at the US than the EU and, and is now growing more quickly because of the size of the market. So that um, process she had to go through to be able to ship to the EU had opened up other markets. Um, and then the other thing to note from uh, from a UK government perspective is that the UK government did uh, a great tidying up exercise on our own um, tariffs as we came out of the transition period at the beginning of 2021. So I know of a number of businesses who were paying duties importing goods into the UK and they're not anymore. So there are some immediate cost savings. So uh, you know, thank you for asking that because we're very good at focusing on the challenges, but there are some wins out there as well for some businesses, for sure. It's lovely to hear that there have been those unintended positive consequences from preparing for trade um, with the EU after Brexit. What a great story that is. So I think we've covered a lot of ground today, a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities as well for businesses to trade internationally. Can you give us an idea of the top three things a business needs to remember if they're just embarking on that journey of international trade? Yeah, difficult to think of, of a top three, but I think understanding um, the processes, it has got to be number one. So go and um, get information from your Chamber of Commerce, from people like us, from transporters you might work with, so that you can put processes in place to deal with the paperwork side of things. So that's probably number one. The second thing is um, understand the impact on profitability. So we are all about helping businesses trade internationally, but we never do that without making sure they understand that they can do that in a way that's profitable and sustainable. 
it is folly to pretend there are no increased costs. There will be increased costs, but there are ways around that. The world is, is a huge opportunity uh, for businesses, but they've got to go at it in a cost effective way so that that growth is positive for their business. So understanding those costs and making sure that's reflected in pricing and charges uh, is critical to make sure it's successful. And then I suppose the final message is that the businesses I work with that overcome all of this in the most successful way recognize that international trade is a team effort. So this is not about one person in your admin department. International trade uh, impacts your shipping department, your finance department, your sales teams. Um, potentially it impacts your product design, product development. So businesses need to think of international trade as very much a team sport, very much touching almost all of their departments and their teams. And so bringing together people from across the business to embark on this opportunity uh, is probably the way to guarantee the best success. Francis, thank you so much. It's been really informative listening to you and actually really reassuring. Um, I'm sure many businesses out there are thinking, actually, this is something that I can do now. If you've not already done so, you can pick up more information about Brexit and e-commerce in the first episode of this podcast with my colleague James Ford and Chris Hill from e-commerce consultancy Runway. For businesses based in the Solent who need further support for their export operations, the Solent Lex Growth Hub are running a free programme and our experts will support you to explore the possibility of trading outside of the UK. Go to solentlep.org.uk and take a look under the Growth Hub Business Support section where you can find out about that and many other free programmes that we run. Alternatively, go to the LEP website and search for Potential Exporters. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel, which can be found on all of the usual podcast outlets. <laughs>